Well, Calvary Church, North Fort Worth, really quick, make some noise for yourself. Give yourselves a good hand clap for being here this morning. Yes. It's so nice to see each and every one of you today. Um, great question we're kicking off for part four of this amazing message series, Is God Judging America? Before we dive in, I want to just say good morning. Thank you for joining us today. This is our 11 a.m. worship experience, our second of two that we have every Sunday morning. Uh, my name is Angel. My wife and I are the student pastors here at the church. To my left, your right, this is Gonzo, Pastor Gonzo, and him and his wife are elders here and also oversee our church life team here. Um, we could not be more excited to be here with you in continuing this series. Um, we just wanted to stop and say good morning, Pastor Gonzo, yeah. talk to him. Yeah, no, this is why I love Calvary and yeah. I love the gospel because we accept everybody here. Check this out. I got a notebook with paper and he's right. got a fancy MacBook. Man, I'm old school, old line and young line. Come on, we accept age. everybody. So no, that's what I'm thankful for today. I, I'll, have, I'll say this though. I'm an old soul. I normally have a printed binder that I use specifically for teaching and everything, but my printer was working, or was not working, and the ink was low, and it was coming out all crazy. So, I will say, I'm normally with Pastor Gonzo on this, and bringing out a nice old binder, and having it there, but my MacBook will do just the trick today. Um, but before we dive into our message, let's go to our key verse that I want to read for you today. You can see it on the screen behind us, and follow along. It's Matthew 5, 14 through 16, and it says this, you're here to be a light bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If, you make, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on the hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. You know, as we get into this message, it's an interesting topic that we're diving into. And I hope you hear the voice in our voice because it's so much deeper than just this beginning question and topic. You know, and again, diving into this message, I don't want to ignore the fact that there are serious problems that we face in this everyday world, in our everyday world. You know, we see violent crimes, mass shootings, suicide, natural disasters, the recent pandemic that we're, we recently have gone through and still going through, uh, political corruption, um, our tragedies that have plagued our country and even the world with some of these things. It looks like everywhere you turn, cities are burning and there's messes everywhere. And the thing that stands out the most is we have constant access to all these things. You can just look on your device, whichever device you have, a MacBook, a, a phone, if, even if it's not a smartphone, uh, you have access to all these different things, the news that's a front row seat to the destruction that we see all over the place. And the images produced by these events haunt us in our everyday lives. You know, these events represent pure evil and they leave us shocked, even brokenhearted sometimes. And, you know, we ask these questions, and these are questions that we all ask, and it's this, where is God in all of these tragedies? Why isn't God stopping them? Why doesn't God protect us from all these bad things that are happening in the world today? During times like this, there are normal questions. When we experience loss, it's perfectly understandable to just say, why? 
That's something that we've all asked. We all have them. We all have those times where we just say, why? Why now? Why me? Why my family? Death is awful. Loss is terrible. It's an enemy. I hate it. God hates it. We hear things like this. We need fewer guns. We need to wear masks. We need more prayer. We need a social distance. We need to stay closed. We hear all these voices coming from different people and different opinions. Um, some of them we agree with. Some of them we don't. And in, it's no wonder that we have all these different people standing for different things, arguing with one another. It's these different things that we all see, and it becomes this, you know, this battle between people now and what we stand for. You know, causes... Causes have their place, and I think it does. But in a year where people are dealing with so much loss, fear, and even devastation, it's more time than ever to just declare the gospel, tie it back to the gospel. And as Calvary, how should we respond to these loud voices is the question that we're answering. How do we answer these hard questions that people are asking during these times in light of the gospel? We want to give you a gospel perspective as we respond to these questions, we don't avoid these questions. We dive into them. We relate it to the gospel in a new perspective, the gospel perspective. So, Gonzo, let's dive into it. Kick us off with our first point for this fourth message on this on this message series. Yeah, no, I love that you uh, pointed it out that we, uh, with everything going on around us, um, you know, with the news, uh, you see, you know, wildfires or earthquakes or hurricanes or whatever. Um, it's so easy to lose your gospel perspective. And that's what we teach here at Calvary is to live from your gospel perspective, the revelation of Christ and the cross and the resurrection and how that pertains to you. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at everything from a gospel perspective. So number one is God judging America. And the answer is no. No, he's not. And anyone who tells you otherwise it's not the gospel. If you look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, it says, but when this priest, talking about Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So that means before even Christopher Columbus even discovered America, guess what? The sins of America were taken care of. And if you want to go deeper than that, the sins of the world. Our sins as, as individuals were taken care of. Everybody's favorite scripture. We all know it. Our kids know it. It's what John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Right? So the key word there is love. So anything you hear besides that or outside of that, it's not the gospel. And it's not, it's not what we teach here at Calvary. So when you hear, you know, you can see them on street corners. You can maybe even turn on TV and you can hear, oh, God is judging America. God is judging America. That's, that's fear-based. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to manipulate you for their own hidden agendas. And what we teach here at Calvary is love, the love of Christ yeah. for us. And what it all boils down to is, um, and I'm sure we've all been taught that, I mean, I know I did growing up, is the, uh, the angry God, the anger God teaching, you know, that there's some, some guy up, up in heaven on his big gold throne 
uh, or some big old buff guy with a long beard, and he's, you know, he's got this mean look in his face, and he's watching everything we do. He's watching everything we do, and as soon as we act up, he's going to punish us. And that's where that comes from, and it, that's, just, that's not the case. We have a loving father, a loving father. We've already been judged as righteous, yeah. as holy, and that's what we're here to teach uh, and answer these questions is through this gospel perspective. So that brings us to question number two. But before we get to that, I want to touch on two more scriptures. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Christ has appeared to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, sin certainly has a destructive effect or consequences, as we've seen throughout history, but divine judgment isn't one of them. And here's, the, here's a scripture that should, it should sum it up pretty much right here. is Isaiah chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, Never to rebuke you again, though the mountains may be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Now, isn't that an awesome picture? Through wildfires, through hurricanes, through earthquakes, through pandemics, that the love of God will always remain and be in total control. And that's good news for today. I love that you kind of touched on, you know, in that I think our perspective on God has a lot to do with how we view, you know, events in this world. You know, when we come to a point to where it's like, you know, me and my wife just took a vacation and we went to uh, the Virgin Islands. And this is our first time there. And they have numerous stories of hurricanes that just came through and, you know, wiped out this place. And you hear them talk about it. And they don't stay stuck on what happened. The thing that they remember is everybody coming together and and fixing the streets and helping one another get groceries that are up on the island, you know, high up. Like the things that they remember aren't the the devastating things that, you know, nearly took them out. It's them banding together. And I think that's where we can see that Everything kind of has to do with perspective, how we view God. They didn't view God as the person who did that. They saw God in how they were reacting to a situation. They band together and they said, this wasn't God, but God is going to turn something out of this and we're going to come back stronger than before. And I think that has to do with a lot of it. And I love that you touched on that, you know, an angry God, because I think we all kind of have heard a message, you know, hopefully not here, but somewhere whether it's a, a parking lot preacher or a Facebook preacher, you know, you go down the line of different things and they say, watch out. Yeah. God's coming and he's bringing different things. And, you know, it, it kind of stems these different fear-based type things. And it's like, I need to work up so God doesn't do this to me and punish my family. All the, the list goes on. And I think it come, comes back to your perspective yeah. on God. That's right. And when you see God as a loving father, a loving father wouldn't do that. Yeah. A loving father doesn't punish you by sending these things. And I think everything just kind of comes back to perspective. And we see that through a gospel lens. But um, point two is whose fault is it? This is something that you can write down. Uh, Whose fault is it? And I'm going to say this quick answer. uh, Not God's. (laughs) This is not God's fault. Um, And I think this is very much an us question. Um, Well, whose fault is it? 
Uh, if it's not God's, I have to put the blame on somebody. So who do I blame in this? And I think fault taking since the very beginning has not been our, our MO as people. You know, we look back in Genesis 3 and you remember Adam in the Garden of Eden. And right after he took the fruit, um, Jesus said, you know, what happened? You know, what happened with this? And he quickly answers like a, a great husband, a loving husband. He says, it's the woman you gave me, Lord, <laughs> that did this. Uh, how many husbands like Adam in the house? Yeah, the husbands <laughs> don't quote that verse at home, by the way. But, but really, we, we dive into this question, you know, whose fault is it? And I think we can see it right here. Um, and we dive a little bit deeper into in, in Psalms, Psalms 115, uh, verse 16. It's, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth has been given to man. Um, the verse makes it very clear that God gave us this planet, and we're responsible for what happens, yeah. for mostly of what happens on here. You know, who first sinned and opened up the door to death? It wasn't Satan. It was Adam. It was one of us. Bit the fruit, eyes open, you know, good and bad, evil versus good. It's, it was a person, one of us, who opened, you know, these thoughts and this good versus bad type of thing in the fall. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin... And this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So we see these things. Some people say that, you know, we let Satan into our country when we took prayer out of school. You know, these different things. Actually, Satan has been messing with us a lot longer than 1962. But you, you get my point when saying this. We can put the blame on all these different types of things, you know, that we see that we don't agree with it. We see as a problem. We can put blame on so many different things, you know. It was influence in the garden. It wasn't Satan. Um, and by the way, that's pretty much the only thing that Satan can do is de- deceive us. Right. It's, a, it's a thing that worked in the garden, but it's a thing that we get now. And the answer to that, the good news of the gospel is the truth corrects lies. Yeah. And whenever you have the truth of the gospel, you renew your mind to these truths, lies don't matter. That's right. When you're confident in who you are, when you're confident in what you have, when you're confident in what God has already done, lies can be lies, but you're like, I know what I have. I know what I've got. I know what Jesus has already done for me. So the lies have no power over me. This this is the, the, the power of the gospel. And again, if we're going back to the blame game, it isn't helpful, but if you want to point a finger, you can blame Adam for this. It wasn't God. So really we're going to hit on this next point, but again, The blame game doesn't work. We can put blame on people. We can put blame on our, our presidents. We can put blame on, you know, our parents, all these different types of stuff. But at the end of the day, you can put blame on yourself. You know, you can do all these types of things, but it doesn't add up. It doesn't yeah. work. It, it ends up putting you further down than you, than you initially were. But when we remind ourselves that this wasn't God, the mess wasn't given yeah. to us by God, but the good news is God is going to turn it around in a way that we can see yeah. for good. I think God judges us so much, but you'd be surprised how much we judge. People think, you know, Judging means, hey, we're going to call this person out. No, no, no. Judging is just basically what's saying what's good and what's bad. Yeah. Do you remember, was it last year or maybe a couple of years ago, they had the, uh, 
the Popeye's chicken sandwich. They had the chicken sandwich wars. Remember that? Everybody was like, no, that one's bad. That one's good. We were judging. I was a part of it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I did, too. I had to get into that. The Lord's sandwich will always come out. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. But, no, we, I mean, that's what we were doing. We, we constantly judge good, evil, good, evil. And we love talking about what Adam did, but we never talk about what Jesus did. Yeah. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about what he did and quit focusing on so much what Adam did because we've been set free from that. That's right. We've been set free from that. So let's just talk about Jesus. That's it. All right. So number three, what did we do to deserve all this? Nothing. We've done nothing to deserve all this. And I love that you brought up living from your your Christ life, your in Christlessness, because if you look at, like, if anybody had – the reason to blame anybody or blame God, yeah. it was Paul. Now, remember, Paul killed Christians. He imprisoned them. Yeah. Remember that? And he was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus knocked him off his horse, yeah. right? And revealed, hey, this is who I am, and this is who you are. Yeah. Now, remember, Paul had a rough life. He was in prison. He was beaten. Yeah. He was shipwrecked. Man, he went through a lot. But listen. The majority of the New Testament, the gospel, was written in prison by Paul. Now, I can imagine. Now, I'm just saying, can you imagine the mind games that Paul went through, chained to a Roman soldier, seeing the same people over and over again? And I'm sure it wasn't a pretty sight, pretty smell. But you don't read about him complaining about the food, about his treatment. It's because he lived in his in Christlessness. He he lived in the revelation of the love of Christ for him. And believe me, he had every reason to blame and say, hey, you know what, Jesus? I was my own own business. You knocked me off of my horse, and you set me up for this? Mm -hmm. It's very easy to do. But if you focus on who you are and the love of the Father for you, and you may not see it at the moment, You may not want to see it, but I promise you, in time, the revelation of who you are and who Jesus is and the love of the Father will be revealed. And when you look back at everything you went through, you'll be able to say, yep, God was with me there and there and there and there. And he walked you through it. I promise you. So that brings us to question number four. Why doesn't God stop this? from happening. Well, I know this will come as something of a shock, but God doesn't always get what he wants. He isn't willing that any perish. That's 2 Peter, verse 3, 9. Yet, guess what? People perish. God could intervene, but he restrains himself on a con of love. Now, if you look at all these events that we've gone through as a nation or even as a world, as a world you know, with wars and earthquakes and natural disasters, you would think that, that was, those were some of the worst events that happened in the history of mankind. But consider this. The greatest tragedy in history happened when Adam ate from the forbidden tree, the tree of do-it-yourself. Adam's act condemned the entire human race to death, and God did nothing to stop it. Was it God's will for Adam to eat? No. Yet Adam ate. Was it God's will for millions to die over the last year and a half? No, yet they did. No doubt about it, 
whenever at funerals, you will hear that God gives and takes away. Y'all ever heard that? It's Job chapter 1, verse 21. God gives and he takes away. But that's not God's character. And if you look at the life of Job, like Paul, he went through a lot. And God hadn't picked him. He said, that's my guy. He's got it all together. But he lost his family. He lost all his possessions. He was sick on his deathbed. And he said, I guess the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But if you look towards the end, Job comes to his senses and he sees the revelation of God's love. In Job chapter 42, verse 3, he says, I spoke of things I did not understand. When we're going through things, when we're seeing chaos all around us, it's hard to understand. We get blinded by situations, opinions. But the truth is, in the end, you will see the Father's love revealed. And this is what happened with Job. He realized that God was with him the whole time. And the gospel truth is, God gives without ever changing his mind. So here's another another question, Pastor Angel. Number five. Has God left the building? That's a great question. Uh, No. The question, where is God, implies that God isn't here. You know, God has left the building implies that Christ is no longer in us. Um, He skipped town. He, you know, he left whenever we didn't come to the 9 a.m. service and we come to the 11 11 a.m. service because we want to sleep in. Um, All these different types of things, these different scenarios that we can kind of come back to, you know, as reasoning as to why God has left the building, you know, and these different types of things, you know. We can look at, you know, again, the when you stop prayer in school, whenever we stopped um, declaring, you know, on the sidewalk, when we stopped going door to door, you know, all these different types of things, we can come back to, well, this is finally it. God has finally left. And I can't even count how many times I saw on social media, you know, when the pandemic was starting, it was like, this is really it. Like, God left <laughs> the building. Like, he has fully left the building and he's just left us here. And this thinking usually leads us down a long road of saying, well, this is why God left. Well, this is why God isn't here. This is why God has taken his, his perspective off of us. And I think, like, growing up for me, and this is just me being personal about it, like, growing up, I grew up in church, um, and I was fearful of God turning away from me in a sense, I was fearful for God just saying, you know, he's doing wrong. I'm going to turn away this way. Whatever happens now to him is what happens to him, and I'm going to turn this way and focus on the people who actually love me. That was a fear of mine. And what it drove me to do is say, I can't, I can't do this. I can't stay in perfect standing with God. And that caused me to leave the church for a little bit. And this was me as, as a teenager, you know, grasping this, grasping this fear and it was this constant cycle of, you know, am I going to try to please God? Am I going to try to keep God, God's favor over me? Am I going to keep trying to do these different things so that I can keep God close to me? And when I got a revelation of the gospel, and this changed everything, is that when God said that he is making his life with me and in union with me, his gifts aren't reversible. What he gives, he doesn't take away. 
what he gives is a free gift. He has given us union with him. Now, we see these different, you know, things that we can kind of display as union marriage. And growing up again, you see these people, you know, marriages torn apart and all these different things. They're all pictures of this thing. But it comes back to what do you believe about God? Is he a loving father? Yes. Is he promised things to you? He has. And he's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. And when you grasp that, it's like, these deceptions that have kind of gone on in my head or in all of our heads of God is waiting for the right time just to yeah. say, all right, I'm taking my hands yeah. off of it. I'm done. Yeah. He's, he's done too much and walking away. But the good news is that he's a loving father, a loving husband. Right. He doesn't turn away from you when you make mistakes. He actually draws closer to you. Yeah. He draws closer to you and he says, that's not who you are. Right. Yeah. That's not who you are. You, your sin is not you. Yeah. You are who I think you are. Yeah. And I think that really changes everything. And the whole picture of has God left the building, it's a deception. God didn't leave us. In the beginning, we see we left him. God didn't run from us. We ran from him. Yeah. God didn't hide from us. Right. <laughs> he pursued us. Yeah. It wasn't God who, it was God who asked the question in Genesis 3, 9, Adam, where are you? It was Adam that felt like he had to hide. Because he, his eyes were open. He says, I'm naked. I have yeah. to hide. God didn't abandon them. We even know this because their kids even were familiar with God's voice. He didn't leave them after it. Yeah. No, you're right. And you know what's um, about that, that part, that story is um, when God was talking to Adam, he didn't say, dude, put your clothes on. You're naked. No, it was Adam that said, hey, I'm naked. So Adam believed sh- he was shameful. He brought shame on himself. And I love God's response. He says, Adam, who told you that? Who told you that? And I don't know who this is for today, but who told you that? Who told you that you're not good enough? Who told you that you've been left alone? You haven't been left alone. Who told you that? And you know what? We believe that sometimes growing up, I know I did, that there's this power out there that God's way out there and somehow we got to work and strive and do things to obtain that power. And when you get it, you better slay all the devils you can because it's going to go away. But that's not the case. It's God's love and power that's obtained us. It's God's love that works through us. And if you just live from that and you can just rest, but who told you that? That's not the gospel. That's not who you are. And we can see, you know, the story of humanity really is a one-sided love. You know, God made us for love. And in the garden, we see we rejected him. And even in our lives, we think that God has turned away from us. But in, a, in actuality, it's us turning away from him because we're taking our eyes off of the promises. We're taking our eyes off our reflection now that we have with union with Christ. He's waited for the prodigal son to come to his senses and return home. Like a patient, loving father, he waits. Romans 5, 8 says this, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. This demonstrates God's love for us. 1 John 4, 19 says this, he loved us first. He loved us first. And out of a response, out of an overflow, we can love him back. But we first (laughs) embrace the love of our father and that is now poured out with loving one another. 
I'm going to close with this point. How should we respond? Because everyday tragedies in this world we face, we do face them. They are real things, real crisis that we have. But how do we respond to these? And the answer is this, with love and grace. With love and grace. These recent tragedies didn't happen because God stopped loving us or caring for us. Neither did it happen because of our religious performance not living up to what it should be. They happen because they're effects of a broken world with broken systems and broken people. They're effects of these things. But it doesn't mean that God took his eyes off of you. It doesn't mean that he stopped loving one, you know, us. It doesn't mean any of these things. So really, what should we, the church, Calvary, do in response? Well, I'll say this. We don't say, hey, get over it. Move on. Get up. Walk away. We weep with one, <laughs> with people who weep. We mourn with people who mourn. You know, we comfort, we embrace one another. These things really are happening, and you never know what is going on in somebody's life. Yeah. No, you're you right. Never know you're right. One hundred percent right. And you know what? I like the way you put it. Um, is responding with love, and you know our love has limits. I mean, let's let's just be real. Let's be real. In, in, in relationships and in, in parenting, our love has limits. It goes up, and if you're having a bad day, it goes down. And one thing I've learned is to and I is to see people the way God sees them. Because that way, it's not your love doing the loving. It's the love of the Father working through you. And I can honestly say that my family and I are here, well, obviously because of the gospel, the good news. But what sealed the deal for us was seeing the love of the Father through you all, through our leaders here. And when you can see it in people, man, it seals the deal. And it's not because people have perfect lives. No, no, no. It's because they have a perfect love for them from the Father. So if you can live from the gospel, the good news, the revelation of the love for you, and just let that do the loving for you, I promise you, you can rest and all the knuckleheads out there, man, even the ones on I-35 cutting you off, you'll be able to deal with them because you'll see them the way God sees them. And you can rest. And it's not your effort, but it's the love of the Father working through you. I love what you just said because I think it's summed up in something that we say at Calvary. Is more, more is caught than taught. A lot of us in this place didn't hear a message and say, I want to attend this church. Most of the people here, and some of y'all can agree, is that you see Jesus in people, and that's what makes you want to stay around, because you can see genuine love and care for one another. I can tell you that, you know, me and my wife coming from Irving, that was a big thing, because we got acquainted with how it was in Irving, and we see, you know, the gospel in one another. We see Jesus in one another. And it was, it's still Calvary, but we hadn't been here before. And when we came and visited for the first time um, here in Fort Worth, we said, we see Jesus in them as well. And this this was a small step. It's still Calvary. 
It's still Calvary. We came from Calvary to Calvary, but it's a small thing. But the thing that makes a difference is seeing Jesus or Jesus's light in people. More is caught than taught. Most of, you know, us that have been really empowered by the gospel hasn't been from a platform. It's been in the day-to-day people talking to people. How was your week? How was your day? What's going on? How can I pray for you? How can I be there for you? All these different types of things. And we see it through people. And again, it comes back to this. You have the very essence of Jesus living on the inside of you. You have Jesus. You have that light of Jesus. So if you're in business, you're carrying that light in business. With your family, you're carrying that light in family. In media, in arts, in entertainment, in politics, in government, you are carrying the very essence of Jesus into every area that you step in. You can walk with confidence knowing that I'm taking Jesus with me. Or rather, Jesus is taking me with him. That's the... That's our mission. That's why we do what we do. This is how. This is our response to these things. I'm taking Jesus to this crisis. I'm taking Jesus with me in response to this. And it's not us trying to act like Jesus, but it's this unforced rhythm of grace that takes us through and through in this world. And again, I'm going to read this and close out with our, our theme verse, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You're here to be a light. That doesn't say you're here to condemn people. You're not here to put them down more than they already are. You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. It's you. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill, if you make, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? We're not staying in these four walls. This isn't the church, you're the church. You take Jesus wherever you go. You're the light. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, you shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to be open with God, this generous Father in heaven. Most churches are praying for a move of God again. God, we need you to move, bring down fire from the heavens, etc etc do these different things we need a move of god but at calvary we're praying for a move of god's people to take the gospel god's already done his part he's already moved he sent jesus he's moved and it's up to us to take the good news to the world it's not a work but the more you dwell in in reminisce on the goodness of god you can't help but tell people about the goodness of god we shine every day in our each and everyday lives. So really quick, I'm going to pray for you, then Gonzo's going to take over um, into our generosity. But Jesus, thank you for this time that we get to gather together and set our perspective back on you. Lord, we see things happening in our day-to-day lives. We see things that we don't agree with. We see things that are, are sad. We see things that hurt us. But we can be confident in the fact that we have the gospel and that you can turn every situation for good. You aren't the cause of these bad situations. And I don't know who this is for, but God did not do that to you. God did not take away from you to show you something, to teach you something. God didn't do that to you. 
but like a gracious father. He's going to show you something out of that. He's going to show you something new. He's going to show you a new part of his love in these different moments that we can draw close to him. And he says, I love you. I'm here with you. I'm walking with you through these things. We're not staying in these things. We're walking through it. Lord, I I pray that we leave with a different perspective and a better revelation of who you truly are for us and in us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Can you give God some praise today?